And I, I will say, I think it is the best scene of the entire show. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Where can, it Where go can I go from here? Not Just up. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Libby. And I'm Ellie. And this is Into the Murphyverse, a podcast where we dive into the TV made by one of the most powerful, most successful, most ambitious men in modern television, Ryan Murphy. If you've ever seen Glee, American Horror Story, Pose, Scream Queens, American Crime Story, The People vs. OJ, The Politician, Hollywood, Ratchet, this show is for you. On today's episode, we're talking about the most iconic music moments seen in the Murphyverse. We know that Ryan Murphy shows tend to have the best discography. Music is central to a lot of the shows, and we're not just talking Glee. Yeah, I mean, I do like to say that there are two cultural monoliths that taught me all the music I know, one being Just Dance for We, and the other being Glee. And I mean, I knew the Glee covers of Bohemian Rhapsody and Vogue and even Defying Gravity before I knew the originals. So yeah, I'm really exposing myself here. Me too, definitely. And... It's not just limited to Glee. We're talking about our favorite songs featured in our favorite Murphyverse productions, including but not limited to The People vs. OJ, Ratchet, The Politician, American Horror Story, and more. But before we get started, if you'd be so kind as to give us a follow or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be great. And if you have any feedback, DM us on Instagram. Our ats are in the description of this episode. All right, let's dive into the Murphyverse. All right, so we thought we would sort of talk about our top 10 favorite songs from the Murphyverse. We've based this on the scenes that we've returned to over the years to watch just because the way they incorporate music is so great. Um, And also sort of on, you know, when we think of these songs today, do we think back to the way they were portrayed in Ryan Murphy shows? And if you're interested in hearing more about our top 10 or putting some tunes to names, we have created a Spotify playlist called Ryan Murphy Taught Me All the Music I Know, which is sort of a true fact for me. Yeah, for me too. Um, and But for now, we've just crafted this top 10 list. This is a collective top 10, given that we have very similar tastes. But some of them, I'm more of an expert in. Some of them, you're more of an expert in. Right, right. But we'll get into it. We'll get into it, yeah. So let's start with our number 10 slot. What song is at our number 10 slot? Our number 10 is Vogue, originally performed by, of course, Madonna. But in the Murphyverse is performed by Jane Lynch playing Sue Sylvester in Glee. This is an iconic moment. It's sort of a recreation of the original Vogue music video in black and white. Um, And it's in the Power of Madonna episode of Glee, one of the few episodes that I had on my green iPod Nano that I love to talk about. Yes, it's it's basically a shot for shot recreation of the original music video um, with just a few lines changed to make it more Sue Sylvester-ish. I think she says, Will Schuster, I hate you. And then instead of something, she says, Sue Sylvester, dance on air. Yes. Um, Which are pretty great moments. Um, But I think that I love when K 
characters who don't sing a lot on Glee get to sing. And that was a great moment. It was, yeah. And it's funny how when I listen to Vogue by Madonna today, which isn't that often, but probably more often than the average person, um, in my head, I'm still singing Will Schuster, I Hate You, even though it's Betty Davis, We Love You. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Like I was, you know, we were 13, 12 years old listening to this. Had I definitely had no idea who Betty Davis was. So no, none <laughs> of the cultural references made any sense to me except for Will Schuster, I Hate You. So exactly. Yes. So if you haven't watched the um, shot for shot recreation of Vogue, <laughs> um, definitely go watch it. All right, coming in at number nine is another Glee number, although don't worry, we're going to get away from Glee after this. Yes. But it is Landslide in the style, originally performed by Fleetwood Mac, but in the style of the Chicks, uh, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, uh, performed by Brittany Santana and Holly Hollywood. Holly no, Holiday. Holly, Holly Holiday, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Played by our, yes, played by our favorite goop queen, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Played by our favorite pseudoscientist, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> well, I've been afraid of changing Cause I've my life around you I think, you know, this was uh, certainly my introduction to Fleetwood Mac. Um, and definitely one of the most sapphic moments of Glee, arguably. Um, it's sort of Brittany and Santana have reached an impasse in their relationship and they aren't sure how to work through it. And Gwyneth Paltrow, the pseudoscientist that she is, um, <laughs> uh, kind of literally comes between them and sits in the middle of them and plays landslide on her guitar. Um, and they all sort of like sway and sing to the beat. And it's um, very strange, but also very gay. And um, we love to see it. I totally agree. I actually did not know about this cover of Landslide um, until I think when Naya Rivera died. Um, I was seeing it a lot on social media. And because I had never really watched Glee that far. And so I definitely knew about the original Landslide years and years before the Glee version of Landslide, but I still think it's worth listening to, even if you are a loyal Fleetwood Mac listener. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say, I can't say that I listened to the Chicks cover of Landslide that often, but you know, as a Fleetwood Mac fan, it does uh, harken my memory back to the Glee rendition. Okay. And coming in at number eight, we're moving away from Glee people. Um, we have the song Kiss from a Rose by Seal. And this song is in The People versus OJ in episode six, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. One of the best episodes of the miniseries, I think. Mm-hmm. And this is when she is getting her makeover, um, her haircut, I guess, but it's really more of a makeover scene. Um, and the hairdresser says, I did it for Farah and I can do it for you. And she says, Farah. And it's just a really great scene. <laughs> it is overlaid with Kiss from a Rose. 
Yes. And um, the sound of Kiss from a Rose is just like very airy, very loose. It adds a femininity to her character because she's sort of the only woman in the courtroom and, um, you know, has to be very stalwart the whole time. Um, And so by playing this song, it's a little bit, you know, we get to see her feminine side a little bit more. I think another great thing about this scene is that it's such a triumphant, like beautiful scene of a makeover. Marsha's really feeling herself. And then it immediately cuts to her walking into the um, building with this new hairdo and being absolutely torn to pieces by everyone in the room and the press. And it's just very sad (laughs) because it's a huge contrast. Yeah, yeah, it almost sets up that huge juxtaposition between her, you know, getting a makeover and getting to be feminine and then her being torn apart, like you said. The other funny thing about this song is that it starts out with sort of an acapella that really makes me think of the intro to Glee. <laughs> of course seal came first but you know it's always good to see that ryan murphy is really loving the acapella game all right coming in at number seven is in my house by mary jane girls which plays during a scene in pose um one of the few episodes i've actually seen interestingly um when they rob the museum to for clothes for the ball It is just such an amazing scene, very high energy and high anxiety, but amazing shots and beautiful clothing. And it's just very fun. Yeah, it's like the kind of scene where you want to be in that group. You want to be a part of their little heist going on. (laughs) And the 80s pop sound is also just so fun. And it's a sound that we see a lot in Ryan Murphy shows. whether they take place in the 80s or the 90s or whenever. Um, It's sort of a genre that he comes back to a lot. And it's, you know, it always adds a fun dance element. um, That's certainly a huge part of Pose anyway, so. Yes, and very bright. Mm -hmm. And it, that scene reminds me of the scene in Monte Carlo, where they open the giant, like, chest of makeup. Monte Carlo with Selena Gomez? Yeah. Such a great movie. Who's the it's other like, person in Monte Carlo? Well, Selena Gomez plays the two main characters. Oh, right. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> that person is also Selena Gomez. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> You're right. But it, it's just that feeling of, I want all of that. Coming in at number six um, is a song from The Politician. Vienna, originally sung by Billy Joel and performed in the show by Ben Platt. Slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. But then if you're so smart, then tell me why are you still so afraid? Mm-hmm. And I know that these days everybody has their own opinions on Ben Platt, the places that nepotism has got him. Um, but I think this performance of Vienna is really wonderful. It definitely made me cry. It definitely made me want to learn piano again. 
Um, in fact, the intro to Vienna, which is just like a nice little piano introduction, uh, was the first thing that I learned on piano and memorized on piano in my adult life um, because of this scene. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of at a point where uh, Ben Platt's character um, and sort of the entire, all the students that the politician follows throughout the show um, are sort of in their early adulthood and they're getting to watch his character move on from high school and become more of a real human instead of a student who's tied up in student government and all of the things that come with that in this show. Um, and the politician can be very dramatic at times. And I think this scene is, you know, it's dramatic in its own right, but it, you see a little bit more of the genuine side of things here. So it's, it's a nice break. Yeah, I have not actually seen the politician. I haven't seen this scene, um, but I do love the song Vienna. Um, and I think it's a great coming of age song. And so from what you've said, I think it makes a lot of sense in that context. Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting that the politician sort of has its own album just on streaming. Um, not that many songs, but they also include the cover of "River" by Joni Mitchell and covered by Ben Platt, which is another song that is wonderful and makes me cry. But it's not in our top ten, mostly because Ben Platt is a little too nasal for my liking in that song. <laughs> he may be nasal, but he sure can play a high schooler at 30 years old <laughs> got that right <laughs> okay number five is that lady by the Isley brothers which is playing in uh once again people versus oj simpson where marcia clark and chris darden are dancing what that show does to show sort of the ambiguous nature of their relationship and um, I think this scene is like the makeover scene is sort of a light moment in what is otherwise a pretty heavy and dark um, series and it's just a nice nice moment what do you think I agree yes um, I think you know a lot of people, including myself, who watched The People versus OJ were kind of rooting for some sort of romantic relationship between um, Chris Darden and Marsha Clark. Um, but I think by avoiding that, the show does a lot more by, you know, showing how their relationship can be close um, and professional, not necessarily romantic. Um, so yeah, I think it is a very nice, light, heartfelt moment between them. Um, because there are plenty of not light, heartfelt moments throughout the show. Right. Balancing the um, audience intrigue with the risk of being sued for defamation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Coming in at number four, um, sort of in that same vein, is Chained and Bound by Otis Redding. Um, in also episode six, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha in The People versus O.J. Darling, don't ever ask me 
Um, this is a song that opens that episode and also closes that episode. And I find that really interesting. Um, it's a sort of very soulful, slow song. Um, and we, it's playing in the background when we see Marsha Clark return home after work um, and her son opens the door and sort of welcomes her home from work and says, guess what, mom? I didn't eat all of my sandwich, so I saved half of it and I ate it at home. Do you ever save half your sandwich or something like that? <laughs> and Marsha Clark says like, you know what? I do. <laughs> and it's just such a cute, like that scene replays in my head just you know at random times um it's the cutest thing ever and um before sort of her son goes back in the house he says mom smoking's gross and she goes <laughs> that it is <laughs> and um the camera sort of pans out and uh the song is playing um and it's a moment in which you sort of see Marsha Clark outside of her work environment but still very much tied to her work um you see her be a little bit more of a human um and then it's also played at the end of that episode when she's very upset because her nudes were leaked um and not just leaked but published by journalists so yeah she has a breakdown rightfully so um but she says you know i'm not cut out for this public facing life like this isn't what i do and Chris Darden comes and sits with her on the floor of their office and says like, it's okay. And it's just to end the, the episode with that song too. It's, it's, you know, it's also showing her more human side and maybe the side that's, you know, feeling defeated, um, but is very still much a human emotion. You know, it's a circular ending as they say, starting and ending that episode with that song. Yeah, I, I just wanna say, that first scene with the kid is one of my all-time favorite scenes um, in television. <laughs> I just think it is so adorable and I can't imagine how they found that child actor. And I wonder if like he was given exact lines or if he just sort of made that up because it's so adorable and realistic. I think both seeing her kids and seeing her um, break down and sob and stuff uh, gives her character a lot of motivation and um, explains more like her custody battle and mm -hmm. the risk of being a public figure and that she didn't necessarily want to ever take on. Um, and so I think that song does a great job of connecting those two main points of the episode, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I agree. And it's, it's not really until that scene that you realize that she's she is a good mother you know she's kind of painted as a bad mother up until then just because she's choosing to stay at work over going to relieve her ex-husband of his duties and that kind of thing but um yeah it's that song really adds some emotion to those two scenes and number three we're in the home stretch is gloria by laura brannigan which is playing in the car radio of Andrew Cunanan, played by Darren Chris, in um, American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Yeah, this is a great, um, 
I mean, such a fun song. And mm -hmm. it's it's when Andrew Cunanan is in the red pickup truck, which will later be like found and traced back to him. Um, and it's a very, you know, you know that things aren't going to end up well for him just because you know the history, but also because you as a viewer, you've sort of seen foreshadowing and what's to come. But he's like very seemingly carefree at this moment, like totally speeding down the highway, I think in Florida um, with the windows down and just like belting this song out his car window. Another extremely bright and fun scenes in that contrast with the very dark uh, subject matter of the show. Um, and it is just, I think Gloria is one of the best pump up songs of all time. And he's really using it there, whether he should be or not. <laughs> he really is. I think it's an unwritten rule where if you have a TV show or a movie that takes place in the 80s or even 90s you have to include Gloria um mm -hmm. in it's played in I Tanya I know sort of in the same scenario and like a pump-up scenario um and another <laughs> another thing I really like about it in this scene is it starts with sort of the muffled sound over the car radio where you can sort of hear um Darren Chris's voice at sort of the same volume and then as soon as it cuts from seeing the truck go down the highway, it's taken out of the car radio context and like is played at like the normal volume with the normal levels and everything as they pan over Miami Beach. And so it's a really cool transition audio wise and visually. I think there's a name for that where there's a transition between where like the people, the characters in the scene are hearing or experience something that the viewers are also hearing and experiencing, um, which I think Ryan Murphy does a lot, but other uh, people also do, where a, either a character is listening to something and then the audience gets to listen to it or vice versa. And I think that's always a very fun technique. Number two is something we've talked about before, but we're pivoting back towards Glee for Happy Days slash Get Happy, which is not an original Glee mashup. It is a mashup originally performed by Barbara Streisand and Judy Garland um, and recreated by Rachel Berry and Kurt Hummel, <laughs> who are two people who I normally don't prefer in Glee covers. I don't really ever listen to songs that they sing. Um, but for some reason, this one, I always come back to. I think it's one of the best performances on Glee and just such a nice song. Forget your trouble. Come on, get happy. I hear again. You better chase all your cares away. I agree. And I think last time we talked about this, we both said how when we first watched it, we were like, what are they wearing? Why are right. they wearing metallic silver sailor costumes? <laughs> like it had nothing to do with the episode. Um, and then you realize, oh, it's once again, a sort of scene for scene remake of 
the original performance, which I think was on Judy Garland's variety show. Oh. Um, I could be wrong about that, but um, yeah. So it's like, okay, that's where they're getting it from. It's once again, sort of like, if you know the reference. Cut. Yeah, yeah. If you know- fans exactly for the super fans if you know the reference they're making great for you if you don't you'll probably still like it um I think Ryan Murphy does that a lot of sort of like let's reference this thing that if you know you know um <laughs> which I can so, appreciate I can it's like too. little easter eggs sort of yeah little easter eggs to generic camp pop culture right <laughs> um another funny thing is in this performance like Rachel and Kurt are like holding hands and they're so handsy and they love each other so much. And once again, that's sort of creating the like really intense hand holding that's happening during the original performance. It's very intense. Very intense. Sort of like the way like a grandma grabs you and is like, oh, it's so good to see you. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like Uncle Leo in Seinfeld. <laughs> exactly. A lot of grabbing. A lot of grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. And just going into these songs um, as they originally were, Happy Days Are Here Again is sort of a Great Depression anthem um, from 1929. And so Barbara Streisand sort of remade that song. And then Get Happy is originally by Judy Garland and is you know much more upbeat, but they have this duet and they slow them down and um, pair them together for a very dramatic duet two icons recreated by two B-listers. <laughs> Gotta love it. All right. And it's time for our number one favorite Murphy verse music moment. And it's a surprising one, I would say. It is the opening scene from American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, which incorporates Adagio in G by Albanoni. And it follows Andrew Cunanan in the process of mustering up the courage to assassinate Gianni Versace. Of course, that is the title of the show. It is what is most important about the show. And the great thing about this song and this scene, this piece in particular, there's a lot of dissonance. And so there's a lot of tension building sort of orally. And um, you get to hear and see that tension visually too, because it switches back from Versace in his mansion in Miami uh, sort of going about his morning routine, get ready with me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you think, oh, it's just another day in the life. He's, you know, saying hi to the tennis players. He's saying hi to his partner. He has his beautiful silk robe on. He's walking down his marble stairs. Magazines. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing it all. Um, and then it cuts from some of those lighter moments in the piece to some darker moments when you see Kunanin mustering up the courage, like you said, to shoot Versace. And I think we can both agree that the best moment 
in this series of incredible moments in Adagio and G is when they use the sashura, which is like the pause um, in the music that is already there to highlight Kunan and screaming. So it pauses, he is in the middle of the ocean and just lets out a blood curdling <laughs> yelp. <laughs> I guess it's more of a scream than a yelp. Um, <laughs> but it is just a really great way of showing his distress and it's a very fun I, it shouldn't be fun but it is fun yeah yeah it really um captures the viewer's attention you know if you're starting if you're going in with no knowledge about what this show is and you're just pressing play and watching the first episode it really like gets you into the feel of what the show is going to be and what's going to happen and really builds that tension and sets up the rest of the show and I think I think like we said Ryan Murphy uses um sort of 80s dance pop in a lot of his shows and that's sort of his go-to but it's really interesting to see that he's just as able to use classical music really effectively um or maybe it's not him maybe it's his team of music advisors but we'll just say him because yeah, in the Murphy verse blaming everything on him exactly <laughs> um but yeah he's able to use classical music um in the same way you know because maybe it's easier to you know draw up some emotions with songs that everybody knows um but to use classical music in that way is really neat too another really interesting thing about this scene is that it, it is in media race, as they say. Is that how you say it? In media res? I have no idea what you just said. It's something that English teachers have said <laughs> and that I have heard about starting um, traditionally a play, but like any sort of work of fiction, um, or in this case, nonfiction, historical fiction, whatever, um, in the midst of things. So starting at a critical moment. And this is really taking that to the max because you're starting it with the title of the show. And so you wonder like, where can it go from here? I've already seen the assassination of Gianni Versace. And so I think that really is, makes the very intriguing first scene. And I really like that. And I, I will agree. say, I think it is the best scene of the entire show. <laughs> I agree. So, where can, it where go can I go from here? Not Just up. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, because the rest of the show kind of works backwards and builds up, you know, how Andrew Kanani got to that point and who else he killed and things like right. that. And was this the first time we had ever heard Adagio and G, I ask you? No, twas not. We also played it in orchestra, not at the same time, but yeah, on two separate times, two separate times. Um, That's the so it, of being four years apart is that we got to play the same things two separate times. <laughs> you gotta love that four-year rotation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I did know the piece when I started the show and I was like, this sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. um, and actually I was thinking, so you know how each in orchestra, each one of the class set of instruments had its own composer tied to it? Yeah. Albinoni was my second violin that I would choose after Purcell. 
Wow. So Purcell was the black violin, um, the really oh. dark wood. And yeah. Albinoni was my backup violin in case Purcell was taken. Wow. I have no memory. <laughs> really? Um, I know I used the one in the orange case, but I don't <laughs> Couldn't say the composer. Yeah. It really taught me a lot of music history, just <laughs> each of those having a name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had to sign up at the beginning of the year and then I completely forgot about the <laughs> name, I think. <laughs> He's escaping! The killer is escaping! Help me! And now it's time for the Sarah Paulson Corner, the time of each episode where we talk all things Sarah Paulson. So we've already talked many things Sarah Paulson when it comes to mostly the people versus OJ. Um, because a lot of great songs overlay Marsha doing various things. Um, but this, for this Sarah Paulson Corner, we are going to highlight a scene where she herself sings, which is an AHS freak show where she plays conjoined twins Bet and Dot, and she sings Criminal, or they both sing, I guess, Criminal by Fiona Apple. which I think is so fun. I only just learned that it was by Fiona Apple, actually. Um, but I think that is very fitting for Ryan Murphy's taste. Um, and I was just re-watching the scene because it hasn't, won it hasn't been one that I've really gone back to. Um, and I just remembered in her interviews, she jokes about how bad of a singer she was and how much trouble the coaches had trying to get her to sing well. Um, but it sounded great to me. She sounds a lot like Fiona Apple. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> the yassification of Sarah Paulson <laughs> as a singer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it goes along with the odd trend of musical numbers in AHS, but I would love to see AHS doing more musical numbers these days because I tried to watch the new AHS season and I just could not get through it because... Hollywood writers writing about being Hollywood writers is a little hard for me to watch. <laughs> a little boring, a little slower. So. Just don't like it. Um, and they have like those creepy, like weird hunched guys. And I don't like that either. Anyway, that's my AHS tangent because Ellie got her, um, the politician tangent, so. <laughs> Both of us have seen most Ryan Murphy productions i've never seen ahs and libby's never seen the politician so at least we have those things to hold sacred right <laughs> very sacred <laughs> all right this has been the sarah paulson corner thank god for you thank god for you thank you thank you we've talked about our top 10 but we also just have a couple more songs that we just have to throw in there as songs that we come back to and that Remind us of the Murphy verse. We'll just try to go quickly through those. I know the first one I think of, also from Versace, is Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. It's in the scene where it's that really dark scene where. Darren Chris is dancing around in his pink little undies and it just goes on from there. So you can watch it if you'd like. Um, great song. Definitely reminds me of that scene for better or for worse. 
one that I love is another one by the Dust um, by Queen in the People versus OJ. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. As the jurors are being thrown out for various, either mundane or very specific and weird reasons. I really like that scene. Another great song is Sour Times by Portishead. And this plays in the People vs. OJ when Mark Furman is going to take the stand. Um, and it's really not fair to Portishead because in my mind, I now associate this song with Mark Furman, who was a racist bastard cop. And really the song is really good on its own. So I'm trying to work through that, dissociating those two. Um, but it has that jangly, creepy feel that just makes that scene really powerful. Another one is The Name Game from AHS Asylum. The Name Game. Judy, 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 booty, banana, fana, foodie, fee, Judy. A very, very weird uh, musical number in the midst of uh, the very dark show. Um, it's just very strange, and that's really the only reason I like it. A song from Glee that I really like is To Sir With Love, originally yes. by Lulu. If you wanted the sky, I would ride across the sky in letters that would soar a thousand feet high. To Sir With Love. And I remember hearing it for the first time and thinking, this is the weirdest rhythm I've ever heard, the weird melody I can't really follow, but I'm intrigued. Um, and I really like that song to this day. I remember thinking the exact same thing. Like I have at no point did I know where the song was going. Exactly. Um, when I first heard it and I thought that was very cool. And my final honorable mention that I will mention very honorably is uh, Dance Macabre, uh, which is serves as the opening credits to Ratchet. Um, it's very long opening credits for nowadays. I feel like nowadays people are cutting back on their opening credits. Um, but I like Dance Macabre, another piece that I played in orchestra and therefore love. And yeah. Yeah, it serves the purpose of being just a very creepy but melodic um, vibe that helps, you know, paint the picture of what the show is going to be about. Right. And my final honorable mention that I will mention honorably is maybe this time performed by Kristen Chenoweth, um, but originally by Judy Garland's daughter, Liza Minnelli from Cabaret. Maybe this time I'll be lucky. Maybe this time he'll stay. Um, the first time I heard this song was on Glee and not Liza Minnelli's version, apologies. Um, but it was my sort of shower karaoke song, my 
parents are out grocery shopping. I get to sing at home alone song um, <laughs> and, and still is to this day. And I try to channel that Chris and Chen with vibrato when I sing it. Maybe this time. <laughs> I think um, you nailed it. <laughs> thank you. So yeah, that's if I were a theater kid, that would be my song. Thank God we're not theater kids. I think it'd be really insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is our theater kid moment yeah. making this podcast <laughs> maybe so you may have noticed that a lot of our list comes from American Crime Story both the assassination of Johnny Versace and the people versus OJ Simpson but none of it comes from impeachment Shame. because it barely has any music in it I actually looked up the playlist on Spotify because they each have playlists like official playlists and there was a playlist for impeachment but I didn't recognize any of the songs or remember any of them playing. Um, and I think that's just another reason that that season, even though I did love it, fell very short of the other two. Yeah, and it just makes me think what, if, if not including as much music was intentional, what was the goal behind that? Was it to create a more serious um, sort of setting for the characters and the politicians to live in? Uh, would have putting music, putting 90s jams in there, would have that been too upbeat and sort of pulled tension away from the drama and the seriousness of what's going on? Um, I would argue no. I would argue it would pull me in more, but I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I also thought it might be like a sensitivity issue, but that also doesn't really make sense because those the other two topics should be treated with just as much sensitivity and they're the same about the same amount of time has passed so it's not like they have to be overly careful compared to the other two um yeah I just don't know but since we hadn't talked about um impeachment in its entirety yet I wanted to throw that in thanks so much for listening to into the Murphyverse if you enjoyed this episode please do give us a follow or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts just as a reminder, if you are interested in any of these songs, they can all be found on our Spotify playlist called Ryan Murphy Taught Me All the Music I Know or something of that nature. I sort of got lost on the exact title um, from the account Edie Pastino, and that will be linked in the description. Join us next time where we will be speculating about the future of the Murphyverse. <laughs>